0: that made it tough for corn to hold on what hold on to what were some solid mid-morning gains. And with corn trading back to unchanged, bean prices felt that pressure too. December cattle filled a bit more of last Monday's downside gap, and Hawks closed higher again. Live from Old Hallows
1: Afternoon via Farm Journal broadcast. This is Agri-Talk. This afternoon, it's a conversation with Mark Rempe from Quad Commodities and directly following the news, Matt Bennett from AgMarket.net. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now, here's
0: the host of AgriTalk, Chip Glory. All right, Davis. Yeah, it's not that often that we can say hogs closed higher again. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. seven days in a row, it's starting, to feel, it's starting to feel like a rally.
1: That's a whole week worth of days.
0: Well... Actually, that's a calendar week's worth of days. It's more than Mm -hmm. a week's worth of days in the market. Well, as the crow flies, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Hello, everyone. We are going to talk about the state of the hog industry, the state of the pork industry. Okay. Uh, Today with Mark Rempe. Mark is uh, not only a a risk manager, uh, he's very much involved in hog production. And we're gonna get his take on on what's happening in the in this hog trade. Um, should be interesting. Should be interesting. We'll talk about the impact of feed prices and, and low hog prices and and how that might be changing the industry. We're gonna see what he thinks about the, the the quality of pork that's on the market. We've got a lot of ground to cover with Mark today. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Yeah. Great, great. Yeah. He's one Happy of the best. Halloween, dude. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> have, uh-huh. you got, have you got the bushel basket full of candy bars ready to go for tonight?
1: No, no, we don't we Dude, don't do you're going
0: to be risking so much. It's such a beautiful what? house. I would hate to see things happen.
1: Here's the thing. I've, uh... What the, the thing? They don't come around up here. They don't go to, like, house-to-house in Kansas City. This is kind of new to me. They Around the city, there are little neighborhoods... Yeah. You know, or little shops, sort of, and so the uh-huh. citizenry kind of congeal around those centers. I'm yeah. here in a part of town called Brookside, and the Brookside shops yeah. always do this huge Halloween thing. So yeah. I think they, I think they've got me covered. Either way, I'm leaving the lights off for the front <laughs> of the
0: house tonight. Yeah, that's not. a Don't bad come
1: plan. here. There's nothing here.
0: Not a bad plan. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get to the markets. What do you got? <laughs> well, Chip, December hard red winter wheat futures opened a penny higher
1: and on session highs and closed on session lows. December HRW wheat traded lower than today on two days back in July 2021, just a few days after the contract was listed. Technically, there is still support on the chart at the July 26, 2021 low of 6.25 and a half. Momentum is clearly with market bears. The first crop condition of the uh, report of the fall for the winter wheat crop puts uh, winter wheat rated 47% good to excellent, 18% poor to very poor. Most concerning, Kansas, Chip, uh, 36% of the crop there is rated poor to very poor. December, yeah. hard red winter wheat features 15 and three quarters, lower 629 and a quarter. December, SRW wheat down 9 and three quarters cents, 556 and a quarter. December, spring wheat closed at 709 and one quarter. That's down eight and a half today.
0: Yeah, poor, poor crop conditions really don't mean a thing, according to the way the markets are trading right now, without a shot of export demand and and. We need some demand to perk this wheat market up.
1: Well, Chip, USDA says 71% of the U.S. corn crop is harvested. That's up 12 points from last week and five points ahead of the five-year average. Traders continue to await a post-harvest surge in export demand, but that demand has been slow to develop with Brazil still shipping bushels from last year's record corn crop. Production estimates for this year's Brazilian corn crop are starting to back down. Pro-farmer crop consultant Dr. Michael Cordonier from Soybean and Corn Advisor cut 2 million metric tons from his Brazilian corn crop peg. But traders expect a major recovery in the Argentine crop from a year ago to make up for any bushels lost in Brazil. December corn opened near-session lows, rallied to trade above 480, then pulled back to close just slightly above the opening range. December corn futures a half penny higher, 478 and three quarters. March corn up a quarter cent to 493, May corn futures closed at 5.01 and three quarters, up three quarters of a cent, Chip.
0: Yeah, Michael's going to be on the show with us tomorrow morning to talk about what he learned from the 2023 growing season here in the U.S. and what he thinks about the corn and soybean crops in South America.
1: Well, soybean prices continued a sideways pattern with January futures locked in a range between 13 and 13.25. January beans opened steady, dipped to test support at 13 bucks, and then rallied more than 20 cents. Before turning back to close just slightly above the opening range. Crop consultant Dr. C puts his Brazilian bean crop estimate two million metric tons lower to one hundred sixty million metric tons. And USDA this morning announced a sale of more than two hundred thirty-nine thousand metric tons of U.S. soybeans to Mexico. But crop concerns or the increase in demand were not enough for beans to hold on to solid mid-morning gains. January beans three and one quarter cents higher by the close, thirteen ten and a half. March beans up two and a half, 13.24 and three quarters. May beans closed at uh, 13.38 and three quarters. That's up two and a half, Chip.
0: Yeah, 160 million ton crop out of Brazil. Still a monster of a crop.
1: Mm. December cotton was 169 points lower today, 81.22. On your livestock's December fat cattle futures were 30 cents higher, 183.55. The February contract jumped 65 cents to 184.62 and a half. And November feeders up two and one half cents to two thirty seven seventy. And on the snout side, December lean hogs closed higher for a seventh consecutive session. The ability to close above the opening range builds upside momentum for Wednesday's trade. December hogs, fifty five cents higher, seventy one, seventy two and a half. February up fifty seventy four, eighty seven and one half.
0: Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's see if we've got Matt Bennett, at Are you there, Matt? I'm here. Hey, excellent. How you doing, buddy?
2: I'm doing pretty good. How are you?
0: Doing just fine. Just fine. Um boy, market's had a hard time holding on to those mid-morning gains today. What's going on?
2: Oh gosh. I don't know. It just see, you know, like you come in here over the weekend and you get some rhetoric, Sunday afternoon, hey, you know, we're going to have a higher open, going to have some buyers show up in here. Uh weather in South America seems to be bullish and then, you know, you just you really couldn't hold on to that. And of course, you lose a fair amount of ground on Monday. Uh, you, it sure looked like we were going to get it back today, though. You know, and then uh, obviously we ran out of buying power. And I, I just think that you're you you don't have enough of a demand story, in my opinion, to be able to get these markets fired up at this time of year. Um, buyers are just on the sidelines. It seems to me like money is not uh, flowing into commodities by any means.
0: Yeah, you know, I would say that this was some end of the month position evening, but with the way that those markets fell back from from the highs of the day uh that doesn't sound like position evening at all
2: no no you know i mean you're uh what 13 cents off the high you know and uh you know you look at uh oh even uh jan beans you know i mean of course uh november is uh you're gonna yeah. see a lot less trading there but even november you know you're 11 and a half uh, 11 cents off the high it, it just seemed to me like um uh, you know the market will take off and, and move a little bit higher but to me the bean market you just struggle still uh with world so- uh world stocks i mean it's totally diverging from u.s stocks but i i find it hard that uh world buyers are going to get super excited about paying you know 13 and half 14 dollars for beans knowing how many beans there are out there
0: right right nonetheless mexico shows up and buys some beans and and that wasn't even enough to really get a solid price performance in the bean market today that was tough
2: mexico's been our saving grace
0: oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, corn especially, but when they step in there and buy some beans, pretty impressive. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. Have a good one, bud. All right, man. Uh, Matt Bennett, AgMarket.net. Coming up next, we're going to talk the state of the hog and pork industries. Mark Rempe, Quad Commodities, is our guest this afternoon right here on AgriTalk.
3: To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest,
1: Today on AgriTalk.
0: Welcome back to Agritalk. Talk. I'm Chip. We've got Davis Long for the ride today. Hello. Um, I'm feeling smarter today. You know why, right? I do know why, and I understand. And
1: you sound you sound smarter and a little taller. Well, sure. Yeah. sure.
0: You know, I I think it's um, I, I think that I've convinced myself and you started it. You started it, mm-hmm. but I don't think there's any question that when, you know, the day following a nice meal of pork, mm-hmm. y- you're just smarter. You yeah. feel smarter. You feel you really better. Do. Yep. And yep. man, oh man, had some loin chops on the on the uh, pellet grill last night. They were del- mm-hmm. delicious, delicious. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about... Uh, the state of the hog industry, the pork industry, and, and lots of other things with Mark Rempe from Quad Commodities. He joins us right now. How you doing, Mark?
5: Hey, good. Good to hear from you, Chip.
0: Yeah, it's great to hear from you. Before we talk about hogs, let's get a harvest report from you. How things go down there in Mahaska County?
5: Well, I think the general theme in our trade area is that uh, corn did well, uh did a little better than than expected and beans were a little disappointing i'd say uh maybe 20 percent less than the good bean yields we had last year and uh, that seems to be the pretty common theme uh the further north you go uh similar to a couple years ago when you did the crop tour here when you had the big variance north was wetter and better south and east of oscarosa were drier and not as good but uh I think that dry spring helped that corn get a good start with no compaction and it just uh it really performed and the beans just it just didn't rain in August and yeah. September and and they got trimmed back pretty hard so yeah. that's kind of what I'm seeing down here. Okay. Mark,
1: let me let me just jump in here cuz I've had some confusion about this and I even wrote about it in Landowner but when you say yeah the corn did really well I've also heard a lot of guys uh sort of say, the corn did really well, although I expected a complete disaster. Is that kind of what you're talking about there? You did pretty well compared to complete disaster or pretty well compared to APH?
5: Pretty well compared to APH, a little off of it, but still a lot of 200 200 bushel corn, uh, even some corn on corn doing over 200. Wow. Okay. So, Yeah, we always think about last year and we always compare everything to last year, but But no, uh, not a whole lot of insurance claims Mm -hmm. here on the corn side. There'll be some here and there if they went on up and got the extra 10%. But in general, uh, no, they were north of 200. And and the further north of you got, the the much better they got. So Hmm. good good yields.
0: Hey, Mark, do you guys grow enough corn in Mahaska County and Washington County down in that area to, to feed all the hogs or not?
5: Well, Washington County's one more further east of us. There's one in between. Oh, okay. uh, I'm sure they don't. And uh, here, we we will now because the top two biggest producers are out of business, and uh, and and still we have you know the big the big drain here is in Eddyville, Iowa, with Eddyville. So yeah, that's the measuring stick around here as far as okay. price goes. So uh, kind of hard to tell that from the Hassell county standpoint. Yep. Okay. All
0: right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, good. Uh, It's good to hear that that corn crop did well, but it'd be nice to get a bean crop uh, alongside it. There's no question about it. You know, honestly, (laughs) honestly, Mark, the story that you just told on, on harvest is what I expected from a lot of places. And somehow, some way, there are still guys that are saying, you know what, in this bean crop, was a heck of a lot better than what I thought it was going to be, and measured up to APH and, and stuff like that. So we'll have to see where, wow. where things end end up. But we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more. Well, about I think
5: uh, I think I think no matter how you look at it, for the USDA, both corn and beans because of spotty rains, you know, this will be a very hard crop to measure versus one where you just had good conditions and you kind of know where you are. Yeah. So it'll be a long time. Figuring out where we really are. We'll get some new numbers in November, then nothing in December, and then the final in January and and hopefully we'll have a good idea by then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, a good idea by then. You're exactly right on that. I'm sure we'll have to wait until September of next year to get the final (laughs) (laughs) on what on what this year's crop is. I'm I'm sure of that. No question. No question. Yeah. Okay. So talk to me about this this hog industry mark what just how tough is it with the feed prices that we've got and the hog prices that we've got can you compare it back in time to a a, a period where it was just as bad
5: well there was a short period of time there at the end of 98 99 where your inventory was basically worthless but if you didn't have shackle space, but you know, corn was a buck 80 cash then. And, and, uh, so your inputs were a lot cheaper and it was a V bottom. It was a dip. And once we got past the shackle space issue, the prices came back pretty quickly. Right now we're in the uh, according to what Iowa state uses for records, we're in the longest streak of losing months. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a profit one here and there, but these last three years have been the worst ever and they're showing a 92 dollar break even and if you're looking at these hogs today and you're getting board price you're at 71 so you know you're losing 40 50 bucks ahead. and on top of that the uh iowa state numbers have a five dollar credit for your slurry and if you have any size you wouldn't have enough land base to capture that slurry because you have people custom finishing for you so so it's it's ugly and it's been ugly for a long time and now you can start getting some cheaper corn in your pigs, but you know you don't sell those till six months later with the cheaper corn. So it's uh, it's 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 as bad as it's been, definitely. Okay,
0: so what kind of impact does it have on the industry long term?
5: Just more consolidation. I mean, the five to ten thousand sow guys have have gotten out or taken a big hit or or, or figuring something else out. Now it's the ten to twenty thousand sow guys are – the next one's in line to to get out or be forced out or or you know do whatever they can to stay in. So it just keeps getting more consolidated, uh, more packer ownership, more vertically in, in integrated, and uh, yeah, long term that's where it's going to end up. You're going to have to have uh, packer ownership or good tie to survive all this because uh, it's just devastating. Yeah. Um,
0: So the cell liquidation, how have we seen enough or should there be, I hate to say it this way, or should there be even more cell liquidation before this thing is done?
5: Uh, there's probably been more than people realize already. That's part of it is just guilt retention, you know, replacement guilt. And so it's it's hard for the USDA to see that. Um. I think that uh, there's been a lot that's been unnoticed and the price as bad as this industry is and the fact that we're in the biggest state in Iowa, that it's really not getting much press at all. And uh, I'm afraid that, uh, you know, if you can't get some more decent futures prices out there than just the next three months of next summer, you know, with a little profit, that uh, there's probably going to be more guys uh, get out way it looks mm-hmm. to me. Now,
0: hog production is not a get in, get out, get back in kind of proposition, is it? If you, if they, if a producer decides to get out, they're out, right?
5: Yeah, it's over with. And and most of the guys that are still independent are 60 or years older or more and uh, trying to bring their other generations in and that may not work. And have lost a ton of equity they've been working for for the last 40 years. And, and, uh, I don't see, I don't know what group, you know, unless an investor group would come along or something, what group's going to come in to fill the void? Because yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole system and you've got to have everything planned from beginning to end. And, you know, it's 18 months just to get that figured out and get going. So it's a, it's a different deal now.
0: Yep. Yep. Are we putting the right product on the table?
5: You know, I think it's pretty decent. I, uh, I think the two concerns are loins and hams. I don't know why we can't sell ham in, in the United States. I love ham sandwiches. Uh, you know, the leaner hog, it's harder to keep that loin good without getting it too dried out. And, and once you do that and, and get a and get a customer who doesn't have a good experience, it's hard to get that back. And you don't have a whole lot of items in your restaurants that, that uh, have a lot of pork on them. So they have, you know, pork does pretty good in the fast food industry, especially breakfast and stuff. But no, I think uh, we've probably got them too lean, and, and and need to go back the other way and and give the person a little more margin of error when they're cooking it too.
0: Well, see, there's the thing. D- Davis and I were talking about it during the break. Boy, you've got to do it right, uh, or you do end up with what can be a you know a, a, some a, a less desirable result if if you don't cook it right. Yeah. So putting some. Some margin for error back into the pork might be might be a way of uh, building some demand back. We're going to continue this conversation. Mark Rempe, Quad Commodities, is our guest analyst today. We're going to get to the grain fundamentals as well. That's next here on Agri Talk.
1: Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where December hard red winter wheat futures were 15 and three quarter cents lower, 629 and one quarter. December SRW wheat fell nine and three quarter cents to 556 and one quarter. December corn futures were a whole half penny higher, 478 and three quarters. March corn up a quarter of a cent, 493. January soybean futures, three and one quarter cents higher at 1310 and one half March beans up 2.5 to 13.24 and three quarters. December cotton was 169 points lower today at 81.22. On your livestock's December fat cattle futures 30 cents higher, 183.55. November feeders up 2.5 to And December lean hog futures were 55 cents higher on the day at 71.72 and one half. Get more market news every market day at tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524
0: and join the conversation. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Kind of a chilly Tuesday afternoon. Just 35 degrees here in in, uh, Northeast Iowa. We had a uh, wind chill factor this morning down to 14 degrees. Ew. Uh, yeah, when we were That's a little chilly. When, when we were doing the morning show, it was cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt. Okay, today's guest analyst Mark Rempe from Quad Commodities. Uh, we've been talking about the state of the hog industry, the state of the pork industry. Two different things, in 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 a way. But of course, related. You mentioned that restaurant experience, Mark. the The thing about that restaurant experience: number one, if the chef cares, um, the pork's going to be good, and he probably wouldn't put pork on the yep. menu if he didn't care about it. So, you're going to get a good experience at the restaurant, right?
5: Yes, there aren't a lot of choices like there are beef, but there's always some, or hopefully there's some anyway.
0: Yep, yep. Now, you go home and you try to replicate that, and if you can't, that becomes a problem. Um, yep. The other thing is, at the restaurant, it, it, it might, most often, is it going to be a branded pork, do you think?
5: Yeah, probably so. I think it would be. More often okay.
0: Than not. Is is there some success in that in the branded pork?
5: Yeah, I think there is. I don't know a lot about the nuts and bolts of it, but it seems to be sticking around and doing well. So, yeah, I, I think there is. I just I don't know a lot about it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Very interesting. And you know what you said about maybe putting some fat back in to the pork. You look at what the beef industry has done. They went from you know the lean beef train <clears throat> to prime prime or choice choice and now prime um it it uh it worked for beef putting more fat back in it didn't it
5: yeah sure it did that's a success story
0: yeah so maybe that hmm, might be something to think about as as we go forward okay uh we talked about your harvest results uh earlier uh what are you thinking as we make our way into November here, Mark? What what do you, what do are your expectations for the grain markets?
5: Well, I think what we need to do is uh, something that we started way back in the 80s. You know, when corn and bean options came out in 87, we didn't know much about them. Then the drought of 88 come along and the market really moved and the options worked really well. And uh, that's when we started working with our cash grain customers. And you know what we promoted was just selling the cash, stopping storage and interest a little bit less drying if it's right off the combine, replace it with call options, and you're there if something happens. Otherwise, remember the prices were cheap in the 90s, but the interest was was kind of high, and now interest is high again. So you know we we think first of all we've had a good two and a, two and a half years where. Doing nothing was the best market strategy, <laughs> and since I started in 1981, you get about two and a half to three years per decade where that works, and then you got it. And then the other seven or eight years, you're better off to be marketer. So, we definitely think it's time to be a marketer. What's nice about this year for the cash guy is when you have years where there's no carry, and then the new crop is much cheaper price. And this year, you didn't know exactly what your crop in the field was going to be like. Those three things have probably, in my opinion, left very little on the books for both corn and beans. So you might get a chance here in December January when harvest is locked up. Uh some of these processors and end users know you've got some stuff on storage. Remember, there's been a lot of on farm storage built since the nineties. Mm-hmm. And the farmer's gonna kinda carry the cards here and he may be able to get a good enough price at that time, uh, as good a price as he would if he stored it till June or July. So that's kind of what we're talking about. It's, it's a better situation than the nineties, but we're going to go back to being marketers. And, uh, you know, that's a proven strategy, stop storage and interest, get your money working for you. If you use options, you have a minimum price. Uh, it's cheaper to do it with a broker like me than to, and you have more flexibility than you can do it with, merchant, with a merchant with a major usually.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So some people won't like the action of the options and they'll go back to futures. And some would just take the money and walk away, and and uh, start focusing that
0: new crop. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, regular listeners, uh, Mark, will know flat. You know, they know already that I agree with you one hundred percent. The flexibility and getting rid of those costs of the physical grain. Um, it's a, it. it If you're not used to doing that, you better figure it out because keeping grain in storage with the physical risk and the way that the costs accumulate in a high interest rate, even just a higher interest rate environment, it, it, it almost feels like when you get done and you move the grain, you look at it and say, wait a minute, that didn't work very well. Why? Well, the reason is because your costs are out of control on keeping grain in the bin. So get rid of that physical grain and re-own it on paper and you can do it a whole lot cheaper. That's the bottom line, isn't it?
5: Yeah, that's exactly right. And especially for corn and wheat, where we're gonna have projected big carryouts. I'd rather own it on paper than the real thing. Uh because if we you know, if we get the South American scare or or, or weather scare here and you still have pretty big carryouts. The board's going to be way better than owning the real thing. Now, yeah. Beans are a little tighter. It's a little bit different thing there. You might want to hold back a few beans, but uh, still, the, the theory works. And, you know, paying interest on $13 beans and $5 corns different than what it was in the, in the 90s.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that big carryover on corn. That you're anticipating, and it, I I think it's going to be two billion bushels plus. I, I wasn't convinced of that, but I, I do think it probably will be now. Um, the, those the carryover for the end of the twenty three twenty four marketing year are beginning stocks for twenty four twenty five marketing year, and two billion plus on on beginning stocks of corn. That's a supply side cushion. That's going to impact a lot of decisions on twenty-four crop marketing, isn't it?
5: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, the corn-bean ratio is at two point four seven tonight, so it's not out of whack. Uh, fertilizers are a little cheaper, so that helps. But uh, yeah, next year, uh, one thing about it, you know, that that's good for the producer is the USDA has poor, pretty low expectations for exports. So. Uh, you know, any anything could be an improvement there if we can just get the action, which we really haven't gotten much action yet. So <clears throat> that could help, but everything else is pretty well said, I think.
0: Yeah. You know, Matt Bennett said it at the start of the show, Mexico has kind of been our savior when it comes to some corn action in the export market. It'd be nice Definitely. to see Japan, South Korea, Colombia uh has become such an a important customer for us it'd be nice to see some of that traditional demand. And I, I keep thinking it's going to happen. Will
5: it? You know, I think South Korea is close on, uh, some February and March stuff. And I think we're, you know, competitive enough. Uh, so I think we'll see some, uh, it'd be great to see China. Not sure if we're going to see anything there, but, uh, you know, remember, especially when you're know, thinking about beans, the South america has got a bigger stick than we do now. So yeah. uh, a lot depends on that South American crop. And of course, we'll have our own crop too. So there's a lot of things to happen between now and next harvest. But, <laughs> uh, you know, being having a plan and having it in place is going to be key here because the, the old 7 $8 corn and, and north of $15 beans are just not in the cards unless something would really change.
0: Right. Interesting. So when you have a conversation with uh, the guys that you're managing risk for, Mark, it, do you talk much about 24 crop at this point, or is that something that that you're you're waiting on?
5: You know, we we haven't talked about it much, but uh, now it's time. You know, we're we're getting this crop wrapped up and put away, and and so the you know the simple thing I look back at is is. Our recent high in November beans at thirteen twenty a year ago. Right now, in November they were thirteen fifty, and then their contract high was in April twenty two, and that contract high was thirteen eighty. And that April twenty two is probably going to be the highest prices that we see, maybe for many years. But these are, these crops were a couple of years down the road, so they weren't that high. So they're all within well within reach, and and I think the summer high in B corn at five fifty five contract highs also in, in, uh, April 22 at six bucks. You know, these aren't super high prices. I think they're definite targets that I'd be looking at. And, you know, it would really be nice if we had some production scares in South America and some scares yeah. here. And then you and I can talk next spring about buying puts <laughs> underneath the whole crop and, and really being great. Yeah. But we're, it's not that time of year yet. No, no. So, and
0: it, it the, uh, those are realistic targets. I mean, they don't, they, And a, a crop scare in Brazil, it, it would put 555 and 1380 in play on 24 crop. Wouldn't it?
5: Oh, I think so. I mean, yeah. the, the, the reason they are realistic is because they didn't get so high because they're yeah. so far in the deferred when we put that high in. So I think it's very possible. Um, we just got to have a few things start to, to get our way. And then, you know, like I said, it'd be nice to have high, real high prices so you can buy puts for the whole crop that's in the field, and whatever's unsold, but we're a long ways right. away
0: from that yet. A long ways from that happening. 1990 style marketing. Here it comes again. Mark, great thoughts. I love talking with you, man. Thank you so much.
5: Hey, thanks for having me, Jeff. You
0: bet. That is Mark Rempe, Quad Commodities out of Oskaloosa, Iowa. All right. Davis and I will be right back to wrap up today's AgriTalk.
4: From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time.
1: In the morning, you're coffee'd up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. Man, Welcome back to Agritalk, everybody. Your pal, Davis Michelson, here with Chip Flory. No yep. Job. Keokuk. And,
0: huh? Keokuk.
1: Keokuk, Iowa. The geode wow. capital of the world.
0: Oh, really? I did not know that. No, I'm well, talking maybe about Keokuk County. Okay. That's the county between Mahaska and Washington.
1: Aha. Uh-huh.
0: County. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and you know what? Hmm. I I've always had, I've always had Washington County as as third from the river. But if you're just looking at Louisa County down there, Washington County's just second from the river, from mm-hmm. the Mississippi, and, mm-hmm. and so I had Keokuk and Washington swapped in my head for some reason. Anyway, these
1: these are counties in the uh, Corn State, uh, the state of yeah. Iowa, for those yes. of us who are, right. who are who are who are from outside the area.
0: That's right. Yeah. Did you see yeah. uh, the Hawkeye fan uh, was like he was he was Iowa Iowa man uh, at the World Series game last night? Oh, really. Yeah, he was sitting right behind home plate, Okay. and he had on an Iowa hawk shirt. Uh huh. And mm-hmm. there were many comments about Iowa man really out there on social media. Yeah. Is that, yeah. that
1: kind of like when uh, a He's headline starts with was, a Florida man? Yes. Dot 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 yeah. kind of a thing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. I wish the heck <laughs> Iowa wouldn't have had a bye week this this weekend.
1: Oh yeah, how's that?
0: Well, because if they if they would have played a game, they might not still be talking about. The, the, the call at the end of the Minnesota game. Oh, we need to move on. And actually they do have something to talk about now with Brian Ferentz, uh, being gone at the end of the season. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, a very hard crop for USDA to figure out. Um, and there are obviously lots of reasons for that. Um seriously, Chip, I'm I'm very curious to see where this crop ends up, both the corn and the soybeans, yeah. just because of the nature of the question that I asked Mark Rempe. Well, when you say your corn is pretty good, were you expecting it to be just a bald dirt field by now? And, right. you, you know, you made 30, 40 bushels on your corn or, you know, is pretty good. Actually, well,
0: yeah, we're right at APH.
1: You know, that's, this is my question. And I think that's the question that will shape the final yield number.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, I, I think what we have figured out is that USDA got pretty doggone close to the number with the one seventy three. I think there might be a little bit of downside on that number, but, but I don't think a whole lot, um, 172 that pro farmer had at the end of August looks really really good to me mm-hmm. and the more I think about it the the more I think that that on soybeans usda could still take a tenth maybe two tenths off it but they they got really close with that 45.6 mm-hmm. excuse me 49.6 that we got in the October crop production report I think anyway
1: so what you might call fractional adjustments at least to the yeah. bean crop yeah. right yeah okay. not
0: enough to have an impact on trade the next the the, the next hour yeah in yeah. these markets yeah
1: um uh, great conversation yeah. on uh on the on the hog market mm-hmm. and maybe you can speak to this just a little bit uh hog producers aging out dude and uh have maybe having a hard time replacing them with some of the some of the younger upstarts coming in.
0: Yeah, you know, that's that's very true. That's very true, but I do know I don't more than a few more than a few younger operators that are feeding hogs for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, they're feeding hogs on contract and It's a nice way to kind of keep a paycheck coming. You got to perform. It's a performance-based pay. Sure. Okay? So you got to put your work into it. There's absolutely no question about it. But if you do that, it's a nice form of security while you're out taking some what what normal – People would consider some crazy risks mm-hmm. in the business that you're running. Mm-hmm. So I I think from that viewpoint, as long as there is still entities out there willing to own the hogs and pay somebody to raise them for them, the, the hog produ- hog production is gonna is gonna continue. Now how about the numbers that Mark was talking about mm-hmm. okay the five to ten thousand sow guys, yeah, they've pretty much consolidated or have gone out of business now we're looking at the ten to twenty thousand hog guys getting Oof. together and consolidating or ten to twenty thousand sow guys yeah that's how much this the 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 hog industry is is changing but then I think about some of our friends that are are in production on some of the branded pork Mm -hmm. okay and you look at how they're doing things and and we've got two really different models that are in place out there right now and uh both boy it's been a tough tough ride on the production side here for a while though good grief dude um you know, we talk about the price of corn staying low enough, low enough, long enough to create some demand. while the price of hogs and the margins on hogs has been bad enough for a long enough period of time that it's going to force some change. I, I just yeah. don't think there's any question about it. All right. Uh, Go on. Yeah, yep. what, you, you All right anything? is right. You betcha. You betcha. <laughs> uh, November 6th through the 10th. 6 to 10 day outlook, we've got some below normal temperatures creeping back into North Dakota, Minnesota, most of Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and points to the north and east of that and above normal precipitation back into the Corn Belt and the outlook there. In the 8 to 14 day, we're pushing those cooler than normal temperatures, colder than normal temperatures, off to the east. All right, come back tomorrow morning. We're going to have a conversation with Michael Cordonier and then it's a Farmer fo- farmer Forum with Kelly Neuenhaus and Trent Luce.